What's going on, guys? We are so excited to have you with us. And again, if you missed it, I am Brad Livingston, the lead pastor here at CC. And I'm actually going to welcome a few groups of people. The very first people group of people uh, that I'm in, uh, welcoming right now is actually our live audience that's right here in the room with us. So let's give it up. So uh, we're super pumped about that. All of you guys that are at watch parties, we want to give you a shout out. Let's give it up for the people at the watch parties. You guys are incredible. Uh, and then, man, all of you guys that are watching us online. Now, here's a big thing we want you to know about right out of the gate, right? Surprise. Phase one of moving into the facility, the new campus that we're in right now, uh, is going to be that you can actually register <clears throat> right now to join us for our live recording next week. So next Thursday night, uh, we'll be recording our services for Sunday. You can actually be part of that. So you can go to transformationchurch.com and click on events. You can find all the details there. Uh, you should have gotten an email about it as well. So make sure you come uh, and be a part of that. You can register. There's all kinds of things that we're doing to keep everybody safe. You'll get all that information once you register. But if you want to be part of the live recording, you want to be like these awesome people in the room, then I'm inviting you to come join me and these amazing people as we worship together, as we build community together, as we get to enjoy preaching together, as we get to be the church. Because can I get an amen? We are the church. All right. And so I'm welcoming you. Listen, last part of the Paul series. Let's jump straight into it. I remember going to this convention, right? And so me and Ashley, we had just gotten married. And how many guys know uh, if, if you're married early in the marriage process, you'll do things to make your wife happy that maybe late in the marriage process takes a little more work. And so uh, she is like, hey, we watch this TV show and I want to go to this convention because then uh, we're going to get to meet the people and they're going to be talking a lot. And so um, I would be lying to you if I said I was excited, but my wife is excited, therefore I was excited. You know what I'm talking about? And so as we went to the, com uh, not the comic book convention, I don't know where that came from, this TV show convention, as we went to the TV show convention, <clears throat> we go in and we're watching and we're part of uh, all these people. So they bring all these people on stage and they're just talking about the show, right? And so episode three, blah, and they're just talking about it. So anyways, uh, my wife loves to meet her favorite celebrities. That's a thing that she loves. And so she, uh, she bought some opportunities to take photos with these celebrities. And so uh, we're sitting in the session, and I know right after the session, we're going to go take photos with the celebrities, right? And so as she is sitting there listening, and if you study the Enneagram at all, my wife is a type five, which means she wants to know everything about everything about the things that she cares about. Um, and so we were sitting there, and she wanted to finish this conversation that was happening on stage between all the people. I don't even know their names. And so I'm like, hey, what we should do is dip out of this early and go over where the line is starting for the photos because then you're going to want to get, you want to be in the beginning of that line. The last thing you want to do is be like person number 800 in that line. Because I know that they got to be like, I'm so tired of photos. I don't even want to smile at you right now, lady. You know what I mean? So I was like, let's go early. You can meet them when they're fresh. It'll be a better experience for you. And she was like, I don't want to know. I want to be a part of this conversation. I want to hear all the details and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I really think that this photo that I paid for, you should be in the beginning of the line of. Okay, so, and so uh, we did. We dipped out a little early. She got to the beginning of the line. And it was a great experience. She still has those photos and all those things. And the whole reason that I talk to you about that is because I want you to understand that inside of each one of us is this desire to trade the great thing that's ahead for the current thing that's now. You see, inside of all of us is this desire to say, I know that this thing has an opportunity to be great for my life, 
but I don't know if I want to let go of this thing that I currently have. And, and today, I want to talk to you about the pause for the pursuit. Pursuing the thing that's in front of us, pursuing the thing that's available to us, that if we'll, if we'll start to turn away from this thing that's pretty good, we could see what God has for us that's really good. And so there's this pursuit of what we're going for. So the question I have for you is, what if we paused from the pursuit of possessions for the pursuit of presence? What if we paused from the pursuit of possessions? And I'm not saying possessions are bad, but what if we paused from this aggressive pursuit of obtaining things in this world and we gave some of that attention to pursuing the presence of God while we're on this earth? You see, God has this desire. Would our joy look different? Would our peace look different? Would we parent differently? Would our marriage look different, right? Would we have more peace? So the question here is, what would it look like to start pursuing the presence of God in a bigger way? I want you to ask yourself that question because here's the first thing in your notes, and I want you to write this down. Every possession you think will bring you satisfaction always leaves you wanting more. Every possession that you think is going to bring you satisfaction always leaves you wanting more. But here's what I want you to understand. The next thing, every time you experience his presence, it always leaves you satisfied. Every, have you ever walked out of one of those? Like, if, For those of you that are believers, you've been, maybe you've been believers long enough. Have you ever walked out of one of those worship settings? Uh, ladies, where your mascara is running? Like, where you've been in, in the presence of God? And I don't mean like you got your feelings hurt. I mean like God met you in a special way. He spoke to your heart, and, and he confirmed some things you've been praying about for days or weeks or months or years. And, and so you spent that time. Fellas, have you ever spent that time with the Lord where you started to feel inferior in your marriage, inferior in parenting, inferior on your job, and you didn't have anybody else to tell it to because men can't be honest with each other? And in those moments, God built you back up with courage as a man of God. I'm telling you today that spending time in his presence leaves you satisfied. Because God meets us in a special way. And so David wrote this psalm in the wilderness. And I want us to read it because he kind of lays it out. And we've been talking about David the whole series. But in Psalms 63, 1 through 7, it says this. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you and my soul thirsts for you. Anybody ever been just thirsty before? Like, and I don't mean thirsty like 2020 thirsty, like scrolling through Instagram thirsty. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm not talking about being on Snapchat thirsty. I'm talking about, I'm talking about anybody ever been so thirsty, you just ran a mile at PE and you got lunch next thirsty. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, okay, so it says my soul thirsts for you. I have a rich desire for you. My soul richly desires, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, our and your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. Hear me today. God's steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Hey, listen, some of you need to understand, lifting your hands in worship and gratification to the Lord is biblical. It is something you should be doing. It is something you should be going after. It is something you should do. Why? It's a position of surrender saying, God, I belong to you. My soul will be satisfied. Say that word with me satisfied. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. 
And I love me some fat and rich food. Come on, somebody. Anyway, so not the point. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And he says this, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. That's what David's talking about when he's talking about the Lord. He's saying there's a, there inside of me is this desire to be close to you, this desire to know you, this desire to be in your presence more than anything else. I want to know and be close to the Lord. And, and so there's power in that, being connected to God, more than being connected to everything else. And, and there's this current, there's this draw. How many guys know there is a draw for your attention in 2020 like there never has been in the history of the world? And what God is saying is I want you to come back to a thirst for me. More than you thirst for likes on Instagram, more than you thirst for attention on Facebook, more than you thirst for your opinion to be the one everybody listens to, more than you thirst for any of that, I want you to thirst for my presence. I want you to thirst for being with me. I want you to have a desire to be close to me because when you're with me, you get all the satisfaction that you need. And God is faithful to be our everything in the midst of that. That's why 21 days of prayer is going to be so important this year, more than any other year, I believe. We, we had a conversation uh, today or this past week, and we were talking about 21 days of prayer. And as we were talking about 21 days of prayer, we were really honing in. Do we do this electronically? How do we do it during COVID? And I told our staff, I said, I think our church needs to be together in prayer now more than they ever have. And so we're doing 21 days of prayer. August 2nd through the 22nd, which starts this Sunday, all right? So this Sunday. Say this Sunday. Sunday. I know somebody at a watch party didn't say it. Everybody look at them. Say it again. This Sunday. Sunday. All right. Very good. All right. Now, here's the special part because we've never done it this way before. 11 a.m. to noon. All right. So we're doing it during the lunch hour this year. So for those of you that can be a part of that, we want to invite you right to come in. The the main auditorium here at the new campus is where it's going to be. All right. And so we're going to be piping in a prayer service and it's going to be special. And I believe God is going to meet some of us in a way we desperately need it right now. And so I want you to join us. Write it down. 21 days of prayer, August 2nd through the 22nd at 11 a.m. It's one hour and it ends promptly. All right. For those of you that need to get back to work. But some people say, I can't be there for the whole hour. Come for 45 minutes. Come for 30 minutes. I don't care. Come get in the presence of God so you can become satisfied there instead of chasing it everywhere else. Let's go and be with God. And so here we are catching up on the story of David. Okay. So we have read over the weeks that David uh, is anointed as the future king. David kills Goliath. David is hated by Saul. And for years and years and years, Saul is <clears throat> coming after David. We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 3 for a second. Because in 2 Samuel 5, verses 3, we see, <clears throat> So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel and they anointed him king of Israel. So finally, the moment is here, right? So we spent four weeks talking about this journey that David was going on, that in the beginning, he's anointed as king, and we have all of this. Now, I do want to tell you, there is so much to this story that we're skipping out on, because we'd have to do the series for three years, not just five weeks, okay? But there's tons of things in First and Second Samuel you can read on about David, and even after that. But we want you to understand this point today about the pursuit of presence, right? And so and he is anointed king of Israel. And so David fights many battles. 
as king. He defeats many enemies as king. He is married. He has children. Uh, And then we have this moment of his reign where he goes out on the roof, right? And this is the story where he sees a woman. And we're going to go to 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 4 for this particular story. So 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 4. And it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful, right? And David sent and inquired about the woman and one said, is, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So David sent messenger, uh, messengers and took her and she came to him and he laid with her, right? And so he brings them and so he essentially brings Bathsheba in uh, and the, it's kind of written gently here in the text. But essentially what happened is David raped another man's wife. So he brings her into his home, sleeps with her, right? Then sends her on her way. And so despite how good was David was at having a heart after God, because we just read in Psalm 63, right? Where he was saying like, man, my soul thirsts for you. So how do you balance this? And this is a question I have for you. How do you balance the man that has a desperate desire for God and still struggles with the things of this world? How do you balance the man that, has, that cries and writes something so beautiful in the book of Psalms, but yet still struggles with the things of this world. And so that's what we want to hone in on for a few minutes today, the pause of pursuit. Because he still had this thing inside of him that was saying, go after everything you want. Say everything I want. I want you to try that again. Say everything I want. I want you to think about everything you want for a second. Go ahead and think about it. Everything you want. How, many of it is, how much of it is good and how much of it is godly? Now, your answer may be, oh, all of it is godly. Good for you. But I bet you there's some of it that's going, hmm, that's a lot of me in there. That's a lot of what I want, but I haven't prayed about what God wants for me. And the question is, what does it look like to pursue godliness in the midst of pursuing things that are good? Because I'm certainly not the guy that's like, hey, give up on every dream and aspiration you have and just pray 24-7 until God gives you an inkling. I mean, if he puts that on your heart, go for it. What I am saying is perhaps there's an element to our desire that should be driven to go after the God things in our life, not just the good things in our life. So sometimes we have this thinking pattern that I'm good right now, because we're trying to accomplish things. And, and so some of us fall into this trap. And, and so this is a self-assessment time. And let the Holy Spirit convict you if this is where you're at. But many of us fall into this trap right here, right? I know I should be doing that. But I need to get through this season so that I can start doing that. I know that I should be praying more. But I'm so busy right now. But once I get through this season, then I'm going to get to a season where I can be doing that. I know I should be you know, giving more of my time to the Lord in prayer or reading my Bible. But I've got this thing going on, and as soon as I can get to that season, then I'll be able to do that thing. Then I'll be able to read more. Then I'll be able to, to study more. I just got to get through this, right? How many of you know you never get through that season? How many of you know seasons have a way of following us? And the reality is we have to pursue the things that we should have, not wait for the seasons that we should have it. We need to start pursuing what matters now and we'll find ourselves in the right season. And for many of us, it's similar. You may fall into this trap where there's an element of sin introduced into that scenario. 
Well, I, I, I know that me and my girlfriend can't stop sleeping together even though we're not married. Um, so uh, soon we'll get married and it'll fix the problem. I want you to hear me and lean in on this for just a second. You sleeping with the girl you're not married to isn't the problem. You not loving God enough to follow what he's telling you is the problem. You see, sometimes we don't realize that the real issue when it comes to sin isn't the individual action we're committing. It's our position of our heart towards God that we don't realize. You see, God's not enough, so I need something in this world to be enough. Here's the reality, and you can write this down in your notes. Getting what we've always wanted doesn't change who we are. I want you to write that down. Getting what we've always wanted doesn't change who we are. And I have been guilty of this, where we say, you know what, you know, I have this pornography problem, or I have this lying problem, or I have this bitterness problem, or whatever. I've been guilty of the one saying, I've got this issue in my life, and so what I'm going to do is just do this because then this issue won't be a problem anymore by default. Let me tell you something. If your heart is hardened towards God and there is something in you driving you to tell you that God is not enough for you, that is the problem. And there's nothing this world will introduce to you that will solve that. There's nothing this world will bring alongside you. There's not a a wife beautiful enough for you guys. There's not a husband handsome enough for you ladies that's going to cause the lustful problem in your heart to be solved. It doesn't change who you are. And so what we have to do is not just change the actions of our hands and feet. We have to change the position and pursuit of our heart. And that's what David was finding out in the midst of this. Is you know what? Even if I get the things of this world I want, it doesn't solve this problem. And so we continue on. And David says this, talking to God in Psalms. And so what happens is after he's with Bathsheba, Nathan comes to him and, and Nathan essentially calls him out. He's like, hey, bro, uh, you just sinned against the Lord and people. And just keep in mind, too, I didn't, we didn't read this part, but then David sends Bathsheba's husband into battle, puts him on the front line, and has the army pull away so that he would be killed on the front line. So now not only has he taken another man's wife, raped her, And then as we see in the text, we're not going to read it today, got her pregnant, sends the husband onto the front lines to get killed, and then takes her as his wife. So David is jacked up. All right? So David's got some problems here. But this is important because I want you to understand where David goes. Nathan comes to him and says, you need to repent. He said, you blew this one. And this is David's response to this. For I know my transgressions. And my sin is always before me against you, talking to God, against you and you only have I sinned. Now, here's the question I have for you, because I believe he sinned against a few other people, too. Like, I believe Bathsheba could have some words with him. I believe Uriah, which is Bathsheba's husband, could have some words with him. I believe the son that he ends up having with Bathsheba could have some words with him, right? So it's very obvious he did wrong to the people. Am I right? Like, it's pretty clear that he created some sins between him and some people. But David says, against you and you alone have I sinned. So how does that work? Well, we go to Piper, uh, John Piper, and he lays it out like this. It is not sinning because it hurts somebody else. Sin is sin because it is an assault on God's sufficiency in our lives. 
Sin declares that I would find pleasure in the glory of anything else more than him. So it's not that I didn't do someone wrong. And hear me for some of you out there. It's not that doing a a wrong thing that hurts somebody else isn't wrong and we don't need to repent of those things. That's absolutely true. But it's sin when we do it against the Lord first. Sin is not an action. Sin is a place of your heart. Which is why pausing for the pursuit of the presence of God is so important. Because as long as we're pursuing things, we'll find, A, that the things don't bring us the satisfaction that we thought. And B, we're giving glory to things that we're never supposed to get glory. But God himself is supposed to be the one that brings us the greatest glory. Because here's what we wrote down. The fulfillment of God's promise is found in the pursuit of God's presence. You see, God says, like we talked about last week, that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says that I will be with you always. We see in Psalms multiple times where David says that I find shelter under the wings of the Almighty. We see over and over again how God is for us. He is not against us. How he has given us access to him through the Holy Spirit. We see over and over again how God is there. So the fulfillment of God's promise on your life. And hear me for a second. For some of you, you need to lean into this. The fulfillment of the promise of God uh, on your life, on your marriage, on your children, on your finances, on your health on your mental health, on your physical health. The promises of God that are yes and amen for you aren't found in the pursuit of the things that make you feel better. It's found in the presence of God where he becomes all that you need. God is faithful to meet us in these places where he becomes our pursuit. And as I pursue God, whatever he brings alongside me, I'm going to use it for his glory. So I'm not saying you shouldn't have a nice car. I have a nice truck. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a nice house. I have a nice house. It's no mansion. But hey, me and my wife, we live comfortably in it. What I'm telling you is when God gives you something, my immediate reaction to that is, God, all the glory to you. How do I use it to bring you more? And that's the position of our heart. God, I don't need more of this. I need more of your presence. And as we get into his presence, we hear him talking about what we're supposed to do. In Acts 13, 22, it says this because it talks about David. It says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, talking about David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Now, all that we just talked about, God knew. I have found David, adulterer, rapist, murderer, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now listen, I'm going to be like, God, I have questions. Because I know some men that haven't done nearly this bad. And I feel like they're in a way better position than David. Well, you want to know what? We only get to see behavior. We don't get to see people's heart. And I think that's why it's so interesting and that we have to be very careful as Christians that we judge people according to who God says they are. And God says that they're heirs and joint heirs in the kingdom. God says that they're brothers, sisters in Christ. And some of us are not representing Jesus well to the world because we're not loving each other well in the church. See, David's heart was right towards God. And God alone. That's why David said, against you and you alone have I sinned. I know I did some things wrong to other people, but you know what? My heart is broken for what I've done to the Lord, not for what I've done to people. 
And when's the last time you repented because you needed to repent rather than repenting because you got caught? When's the last time you changed your behavior because you knew you needed to, not because someone caught you? Because that shows our heart. The Bible talks about godly repentance versus worldly repentance and godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. And when he talks about that, he says godly sorrow leads to repentance, which leads to eternal life. But worldly sorrow leads to death and destruction. You see, godly sorrow is saying, God, I've offended you against you and you alone have I sinned. But worldly sorrow says, I can't believe I got caught and now I feel bad. And so our heart towards God needs to lead us to a place of repentance. Hear me, and this is why. Because repentance gives you access to presence. And for some of us, we're too arrogant in our sin to confess and repent to be able to access the presence. And we have to come back to this place where we're going, you know what, God? I need you more than I need anything else. I need you more than I need things of this world. I need you more than I need to feel better about being me. I need your presence. So this young man trying to uh, look at different things comes into my office one day. He, he walks in. He says, hey, listen, uh, Pastor Brad, he had been on the dream team for about six months. He comes walking in and he's, he goes, hey, listen, I need to talk to you. Can I talk to you? And sure. So he comes in, he sets up a meeting and we sit down and we do the whole thing. And uh, he walks in. He says, hey, listen, I need, to, I need to come off the dream team. I can't serve anymore. I'm like, why, why is this the case? <laughs> you know, what's going on? He goes, I'm, he said, I, I've been dealing with this porn issue for pretty much my whole life. And I thought I had it beat. Like, I really did. I thought, like, I thought we were there. I thought I had it beat. But, uh, you know, this past week, man, I, I was just lonely in the darkness. And he, you know, gave all the reasons. And he said, I... I, I went and looked at porn on my computer when my wife wasn't home. And I said, man, I said, that's, that's unfortunate, man. And uh, he says, well, I need, to, I need to sit down from everything. I don't, I can't be, I don't want to be in a small group anymore. I don't want to be on the dream team anymore. I don't want to do any of that. And I said, well, why would you do all that? He says, I, I, can't, I can't be on a team leading other people knowing that I've messed all this up. And I remember something that my dad told me when I was growing up about someone that walked into his office when he was a pastor. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, when you used to watch that on your computer, how did you feel? He said, I felt great. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was, I, I was addicted to it, but I, I didn't mind being addicted to it because I loved it. And I said, huh. I said, how did you feel this past week? He said, I felt terrible. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, and while I was doing it, I felt worse than I had ever felt. He said, I, 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 I felt heavy. And I said, you are more qualified than any righteous person you've ever seen to stand before God with that conviction. He said, what do you mean? I said, let me help you like this. I said, you have just told me that you're a new creation. You see, the old man loved it. The old man couldn't get enough of it. 
The old you relished in it. The old you found joy in it. The old you was accomplished by it. The old you, man, couldn't wait to go back the next day and find it. But you're telling me that you were on the verge of crying while you were doing it this time. That means to me that the Holy Spirit, God's presence is with you. Even while you're messing things up. Even while you're doing things wrong. Even when you're just blowing it. You don't know what you're going to do and, and how life is coming at you. Even when you're making decisions that you know don't line up with the word of God and who he's called you to be. It's the conviction that shows us that the Holy Spirit is present, not perfection. It's not this idea that you're gonna be the perfect man. It's knowing that the grace of God meets you when you're not. Jesus didn't go to the cross so that we could be perfect. Jesus went to the cross because he knew he wouldn't be perfect. And today the access back to God and the necessity for his presence is because there's gonna be a day when you don't get it right. There's gonna be a day when you mess it all up. And I'm here to tell you today, there's gonna be a day when I don't get it right. There's gonna be a day when I mess it all up. And it's in those moments that the grace of God and the spirit of God meets you right there. And that conviction sets in. And you know what? Maybe you don't make that right decision, but you come to God and say, against you and you alone have I sinned. God, continue to make me the person you're making me. And I know I'm not there yet. And I'm not gonna make this decision again, but for today, I need you to carry me through this season. And God meets you in that special way. I told that young man, you're saved. And he was giving me his badge from the dream team. I slid that back across my desk. I said, how about you wear that this Sunday too? And he cried and we hugged. Today, I'm here to tell you, I'm not giving you permission to go out and do whatever you want. The Bible doesn't do that either. Neither does grace. But the Bible gives us confidence that on the days where we look like the other David, on the days where we feel like the other David, not the giant killing, confident psalm writing David, on the day we feel like the other David, we will come before you, God, and say, against you and you alone have I sinned. Draw me back into your presence again. John 8, 34 through 36 says this, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I want us to make that personal for a second. I want you to put that in context for you because some of you I believe need to hear this today. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who willfully desires their sin is a slave to that sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but, and I want you to write your name, but Brad belongs to it forever. But Charity belongs to it forever. But Eli belongs to it forever. But Lydia and Nick and Ryan, those guys that were up here leading worship, I want you to write your name in the blank, but you belong to it forever because who the Son sets free 
come on, listen to me today. Lean in right here for just a second. We're almost done. Who the Son sets free. Who Jesus went to the cross to release the Spirit of God sets free. Listen, what Jesus has brought into your life and broken the addiction and broken the struggle and broken the stronghold and the chains have been shattered and everything around you that's told you you'll never be enough, you're never good enough. The people that have spoken into your life and shattered your identity and you don't even know who you are anymore. I'm here to tell you today that you belong to a family and who Jesus sets free, no man can put chains back on. No thing can put chains back on. You're free indeed today. And so the journey to freedom is found in the pursuit of God's plan and in his presence. The journey to freedom is found in the pursuit of God's plan, but not just his plan, his presence. So many times we hear in the church nowadays, just go after God's plan, go after God's plan, go after God's plan. You'll know it's God's plan when you're committed to his presence. And let's go to God today. I started with a story about Ashley and going to the convention and her taking all these pictures with all these famous people that I didn't care about. And so we did leave that session early. We did go to get in the line with the photos. And you wanna know what's interesting? To this day, she can't tell you what that conversation was about. The one we left early, she can't tell you what they were talking about. But to this day, the photo of her with that smiling actor that I paid for sits in our house as one of the great memories that she has because she was willing to leave what was less important to go after the opportunity of what was more important. And like David, our sins that we've yet to completely overcome don't have to keep us from the purpose as long as we maintain a pursuit after the presence. Let us fall more and more in love with Jesus every day. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that you don't leave us where we are, but you bring us to a better place. God, your word says that you stoop low to make us great, which means you come find us where we are. And so God, I pray that our hearts would be captivated that we would fall more and more in love with you, that we would find ourselves like David writing in the Psalms that our, our soul thirsts for you like a dry and weary land where there's no water. That's how our soul feels without you, dry. So God, we would come to you and find complete satisfaction in your presence because you're so good. So God, may we pause from the chaos of the world. May we pause from the things. May we pause from the attention. May we pause from social media. May we pause the pandemonium. May we pause for the pursuit of your presence. In Jesus' name, for those of you that are watching today, maybe you're at a watch party. Maybe you're just watching us online and as part of our Facebook watch party or you've just found us because someone shared one of our links. 
today, I believe that God wants to meet you right where you're at. And as we were talking about David, there was something in you going, that is exactly how I feel. I feel like God couldn't possibly love me where I am. Hear me today. It's not that he could, it's that he does. And today, if you want to know him, today, if you want a fresh start, you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, it doesn't mean being perfect. It means giving your life to him, just like I did and so many of those you've seen today have. And today, if you want to know Jesus, the Bible says repent of your sins. That means to turn away, to go a different direction than you've been going. That direction is towards the Lord. But then it says we put our faith in him. And and our faith is what makes us saved. It's not something you do. It's a free gift, the Bible says. And today, if you want that free gift, I want to pray with you. And this this prayer that I'm going to have you pray with me doesn't make you saved. It puts words to the actions of your heart that says, Lord, I want to follow you. And that faith, believing that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins, that faith is what gives you access to grace. And that faith is what makes us right with God. And so today I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me to put words to the actions of your heart. So let's pray today. And everyone's in this room and on watch parties, they're gonna pray this with us today uh, as we pray and believing that you are now meeting Jesus as the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid for my sins. And I believe you resurrected three days later through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.